Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blake Street Irregulars. My name is Sean Drotar. With me today, Mile High Sports maestro Casey Light. Casey does just about everything. If, if you go to milehighsports.com or listen to the radio, Casey's the man. You can follow him on Twitter at Light on Your Feet, and make sure that you follow our friends at Tap 14 as well. Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. You'll find me there a lot. I'm happy they don't charge me rent yet. They have 70 Colorado beers, more than 100 Colorado spirits. All of the food is locally sourced from Chef Taylor Creedon. It's a beautiful 365-day-a-year uh, bar that has a, a rooftop that's open whether it's rain shine snow whatever so even though we might have one of those snows left in us uh, this spring you can always go there before or after a rockies game or for any reason whatsoever make sure you check them out at tap14.com casey where we sit today 14 games in the colorado rockies are atop the NL West with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So if you, you laugh, had that, you th- laugh. You had that in your, uh, you know, your, your random parlay. I give you a ton of credit. But here, here are the Rockies, even with injuries to their fir- first baseman, their left fielder, their winningest pitcher from last year. Now their expected staff ace in John Gray. They're still sitting right here and with an opportunity against the Dodgers in a, a brief two-game set as we record this. It breaks their way where even though Gray is hurt, now they can skip his spot in their rotation. Kyle Freeland goes today, a rematch of the home opener against uh, Rio of the Dodgers. And then after that, they get to skip Gray because of the day off. Tyler Anderson will go, and then they can kick the can down the road. We'll work on that last starter thing as we go on to the podcast. But when you look at the Rockies today, Casey, did you, you, you can't say you expected them here, but did you... Expect maybe something of this effect, especially from the back end of the bullpen, which I think has been the star of the team in the early going. Well, the the bullpen, you're absolutely right, has been the shining light for this team so far. You know, I, I wrote a piece on Mile High Sports early on in the season telling everyone, don't panic, don't freak out. The Rockies are actually going to be in, in just fine shape. You know, there was a little bit of concern. Everybody was kind of worried because obviously losing Ian Desmond early on, you know, their 70 plus million dollar man, I, if that number is even accurate, I, baseball salaries are so out of control now. But, uh, it, you know, you invest all of this money in Ian Desmond and you have to settle for Mark Reynolds. Well, Mark Reynolds has been an absolute stud in this opening part of the season. In fact, you know, he may have made it really, really difficult for Bud Black to make a roster decision when Ian Desmond is ready to come back. You lost David Dahl uh, to that rib injury that's still continuing to haunt him. He's, his recovery is not nearly as fast, I'm sure, as the Rockies would have liked. Uh, so you're, you've got Gerardo Parra out in left field there. Uh, we, we really thought that, that Dahl and Parra were going to, if anything, platoon, more than likely Dahl was going to get that start. But I wrote a piece on Mile High Sports in, in the first week of the season saying, why are we so worried about this? This is the exact roster that was only one game under 500 last April. Right. None of those guys are new. Parra was the left fielder, it, they and mar- Reynolds was the first baseman. Parra, by the way, is off like a shot. He leads the team in hitting, hitting 343 as, as we sit here today. So he's been very, very effective, and it has bought them a, a lot of time. Even though the offense really hasn't been clicking on all cylinders, they have been performing maybe a little better than people expected, but you're right. Back, uh, literally, flashback a year ago, this is what they expected the Rockies to do last year with essentially the same guy starting. Yep, and what they've done this year, and this is to everyone's surprise across the board, is, uh, and Doug, Doug Ottawa, uh, the Monday columnist on MileHighSports.com and in the Mile High Sports Daily, touched on this uh, in his column from yesterday. 
What's been surprising isn't the fact that they've done it, it's how they have done it. It's not so much that the Rockies led the league in wins with 9 through 14 games, it's the fact that they were doing so with strong pitching. That was always the concern. The starting lineup, as we mentioned, was was virtually identical to what it was last year. The big loss there obviously being Chad Bettis. That was a guy who, really, let's be honest, he surprised last year. Did anyone really, if, if you had Chad Bettis to win 14 games last year, Good for you, but very. Yeah, few I also did. don't believe you. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't. He, he overachieved, and obviously his his health is of paramount importance. If I'm the Rockies, you, I don't expect to see him this year. They hope it'll be about half the season, but we're talking about uh, testicular cancer here. He's got to get healthy and worry about baseball uh, far, far down the line. So if you're the Rockies, I think you're well advised to probably accept the fact that he won't be part of this team this year, and anything you get would be a bonus. But you're talking about it now because of that. Two rookies had to come into that lineup. Now, there was there was some debate whether uh, German Martin Marquez was going to get that, sp- that last spot. Jeff Hoffman was going to get that last spot. They may find themselves in it now that John Gray's out for a minimum of a month. And when you're talking about a stress fracture in your foot, John Gray's not a 180-pound pitcher. He's a 240-pound pitcher, different to ballgame entirely. But when you go to that back end of the, of the rotation there, Antonio Senzatella, Kyle Freeland, both guys have come out of the gate pitched Pretty well. Freeland had one good start, one mediocre to poor start, but that's what they expected. Sensatella's been out of the gate and been fantastic. Really uh, as good a, a first three starts as any Rockies pitcher has more or less ever had. And they're being handled differently, in part because of the bullpen. You see that the Rockies invested a lot of money into that bullpen. Uh, Greg Holland and Mike Dunn especially have absolutely lived up to the billing and then some. Holland coming off of Tommy John surgery has been absolutely electric uh, coming into the ninth. Had a couple blips here and there with control, but by and large hasn't had a single mistake. Neither guy has allowed an earned run yet. So when you look at these young pitchers, though, Senzatella, Freeland, and now you're going to take a look at either Hoffman, Marquez, or or uh, maybe someone else that picked. Harrison, Musgrave, Harrison Musgrave is out of Albuquerque. Out there. Now you're talking about three-fifths of your rotation essentially being wildly inexperienced pitchers. The difference between Bud Black managing in this early going, we're less than 10% of the way through the season, but compared to what we saw over Walt Weiss, what's the difference to you? The difference to me is obviously Bud Black being a pitcher himself he knows what it's like to have been out on that mound and to be that guy f- battling through what may be a little bit of a rocky start. You, you referenced Senzatella, and perfect example was was this past Sunday where Rockies shoot out of the gate. Charlie Blackman gets you a leadoff home run. You string together three consecutive hits. All of a sudden, you're up three to nothing before Jeff Samarge has even been able to record an out. And you're thinking, all right, this is great. This is exactly what a young pitcher needs. Senzatella comes out, admittedly, in in probably some of the roughest conditions that he's faced. Um, being a guy from the Dominican, he's he's not used to throwing in kind of the, that cold, wet, damp, nasty weather that they saw out there in San Francisco in, in mid-April. And he, he struggled a little bit. He caught those three runs right back up. Uh, but Bud Black spoke post-game and talked just about how important it was for him to to let Sensatella continue to to find his groove. And, and he actually was, was very impressed about the fact that Sensatella got stronger as the game went on. He said pitches 60 through 90 were among his best pitches. So that's what you like to see from a young pitcher is a guy who's going to improve over time, not wear down the second time through a lineup, third time through a lineup, that he's actually going to go out and, and challenge those guys, be very, very aggressive. Uh, one of the stats I thought really stood out from Senzatella, he threw 18 first pitch strikes, which is really, really strong. He's forcing a lot of ground balls. Um, but probably the biggest confidence boost that Senzatella had in that game was in the top of the seventh inning, he's set to lead off. Nursing a one-run lead, 
right? So after giving up those three runs, he, he was able to settle down, held them scoreless for the next five, and he's nursing a one-run lead at that point. Walt Weiss, absolutely in that position, is going to his bench. He's going to bring in, even, even though the bench is a little bit depleted, obviously with Tom Murphy being out as well, we haven't even touched on him from an injury standpoint, so there's a little pop off of the, off of the, uh, uh, off the bench that wasn't there. Gerardo Parra's on paternity leave at the time, so you're without him. You're, you're starting Rymel Tapia over in left field, so you don't have that, that same punch in the lineup. Walt Weiss in that situation absolutely is going to pinch hit for Sensatelle, and he's going to turn the ball immediately over to Adam Onovino or Mike Dunn, depending on the matchup uh, there in the bottom of the seventh. Instead, Bud Black sends his pitcher out in rough, rocky conditions to bat to lead off that inning, saying, I've got your back, Bud. You're going out there. And Sensatelle went out and shined again in that in that eighth, or excuse me, in that seventh inning. Uh, he It was a little bit rocky for him, but he still was able to work through it and that was a huge confidence booster that he's going to carry with him for the rest of the season. Now, Casey, you, you, you pitched all the way up to college. So those who don't know, we're talking about somebody who's, who's already played a lot and understands, especially the mindset of the pitcher. I, I, I never pitched, thanks to every, my catcher, batters. Everyone's delighted that never even happened in Little League. Bad. I think I did it one time, lasted about an <laughs> inning, and we're like, you're never getting near that mound again. But when you're a young pitcher, the the confidence that that shows in you, what does that mean? Because I've talked to a lot of players over the years, and especially young guys, they're worried about the first time you screw up, what's going to happen? Does he trust me? Does he want to go back to the bullpen? And over and over again, even though we're only barely more than a dozen games into the season, Bud Black has consistently, whether it's been a veteran guy or one of the younger guys, said, look, you work out of it. You're on this roster for a reason. I have no intention of having a short leash. As you mentioned, he's a pitcher. But what does that do for you mentally? Uh, certainly a more relaxed pitcher is a better pitcher, right? Oh, without a doubt. You, you start tightening up. You start, uh, you know, uh, as, as they like to say, squeezing the pill a little too tight. And, and you're going to lose command. You're going to lose control. You're going to leave balls up. You're going to leave balls out over the plate. Uh, being able to pitch relaxed, comfortable, and confident is the biggest thing. And that's the one thing that Rockies pitchers have really lacked over the years is confidence. If you look at the young arms that came up through this organization through the years, that they struggled early on in games and were, you know, had that, and Walt Weiss or, or whomever it may be through the years, you know, because Bud Black really is the first pitcher's manager that the Rockies have ever employed. Uh, you know, but I, I think of a guy like Eddie Butler. Now, admittedly, I've not been a huge Eddie Butler fan through the years. I, I think that the Rockies highly overvalued his stuff, quote unquote. Uh, but at the same time, Eddie Butler was was constantly finding himself scuffling, struggling a little bit in those third and fourth innings, and immediately we're going to the bullpen to bring in Chris Russin or or someone else that, that's maybe a little bit more steady hand in that type of situation. Well, you can never develop a steady hand unless you're put in the position to have those those difficulties and overcome them. If you're constantly, every time the hand starts to shake a little bit, getting the hook... How can you possibly expect to develop that skill set? And I think that's one of the things Bud Black really understands. Uh, you know, a, a lot of folks, you know, make the joke, and I, I think I've even heard you say this yourself, but Walt Weiss managed every game as if it was the seventh game of yeah. the World Series. He was he was going out there and, and you know, by gum, if I need to throw Jake McGee for two and a half innings, I'm going to. Yeah. And then bring one guy in for one batter for a lefty-righty matchup and then swap out over and over again. And and that was you led right to where I wanted to go next. The, the management of the bullpen, especially when you're talking about a guy like Greg Holland coming off of Tommy John surgery, 
you, you want to be able to play him. He's, he's a veteran. He, he knows what his arm's supposed to feel like. But you'd like to be delicate with that, too. Already there have been uh, games where the Rockies could have used a save, and uh, it, it happened at really the one time Jake McGee went in and got it, where Holland was simply just not available. Not because he was hurt, but because he had pitched enough, and Bud Black drew a line and said, no, you're not playing today. Even if that means we're going to lose that game potentially, you're not playing. One of the differences, I think, when you take a look at the way this, this team is being managed in the bullpen was the, the side effect of Walt Weiss reaching for uh, the, the bullpen phone so often is the fact that it doesn't count in the score sheet. When you look at the box score and say, these pitchers threw X number of pitches, that's fine. But the warm-up pitches count. They still come off your arm. And over 162 games, over six months, over uh, the, the wet weather in, in San Francisco to the hot weather in the summer, uh, all those warm-up pitches also add up and add to the fatigue level that we always seem to see the Rockies' bullpen have by the end of the season. Well, and playing in Colorado is really unique to that. And we talk about pitching at Coors Field, and there's so many you know little unique things about pitching at Coors Field that make it difficult. And I think one that tends to get overlooked a lot of times, you know, we talk about the ball carries farther. The outfield is larger. We talk about all those things that negatively impact a pitcher's ability at Coors Field. But one of the things that I think tends to be overlooked is the recovery factor of pitching at altitude. It simply takes your body longer to physically recover. It takes you longer to to replace all of all of the, that energy, all of the muscles that all the muscle damage that you're doing when you're warming up and when you're pitching that frequently when you're at altitude because the oxygen levels are so much lower. And so you need to give your guys better recovery time. I've long been of the belief that the Rockies should throw one extra reliever or at least one extra pitcher into their into their uh, 25-man just for that simple reason. Uh, the Rockies have always had a strong bench. They've always, and, and this year is no different. Alexia Marista looks really fantastic. You know, one of the things we talked about at the beginning of the year was what are we going to do with all of these extra players? Uh, they have guys who can be very, very versatile out there on the field, especially, you know, in the form of Gerardo Parra, who can, you know, he can play an infield position. He can play all the outfield positions. David Dahl, who can play any, any outfield position. Uh, you've got Tony Walters, who is just an absolute Swiss army knife on the field, can do really just about anything other than pitch. Uh, so when you have that flexibility, there's no reason that you can't have that extra arm. Now, the great part that uh, about what we've seen so far in this season, and this is this is really going to uh, blow you away, but the Rockies currently rank sixth in the major leagues through 14 games in innings pitched by their starters. Right? That's I can't even recall when they've been in the top 20. Right, and that's and that's a product not only of solid outings by. You know, by the bulk of the staff, I, you know, I, I think Freeland's uh, that that outing where he got roughed up against the Padres, where he only went four point two, uh, and then Gray when he was when he was injured and had to come out after four. Everyone else has at least made it, you know, through five for for the bulk of their starts, and so that's helping a lot. But yeah, with seventy seven innings pitched, you're not going to that well nearly as often uh, as you as you might uh, have done in years past because. Again, Bud Black is having that faith and that confidence in his pitchers, even if they're having a little bit of a, of a rough, rough go at it, or he's not making a move just to make a move. A lot of times, Walt Weiss, we felt, would, he would make a move because he, oh, it's a matchup move. Oh, he, you know, it's, he's overthinking it. Little by the, by yeah. the book instead of by feel. Yeah, and, and, that's, you know, and that's 100% what happened on Sunday with Sensatella was, you know, Bud saw that he was mowing him down. He was humming along, you know, pick whatever pitching cliche you want to use, but he was, he was dealing. He was in the groove, all of those cliches, and he said, why am I going to take the ball out of this guy's hand and throw and put it into somebody who has been sitting there freezing their took us off in the bull, or well, I guess in the, in the dugout there, um, 
having to send them down to the bullpen. And, and, you know, obviously it's a, it's a very unique environment out there in San Francisco where, you know, the bullpens are right there on the field and, you know, you've got somebody in your ear that entire time as you're warming up. So just a very, very different dynamic between those two. Looking at the way we go forward now with, with John Gray being out, we talked about the three possible contenders to replace and the Rockies are going to make that decision sooner rather than later. But fortunately, they get to skip Gray's spot thanks to the rest days and they'll be able to push that a few days down. But let, let's hypothetically say that, that Jeff Hoffman, the centerpiece of the Troy Tulowitzki trade, is the guy they call up. I had a really tough time up in the majors last year, 0-4, 4.88 ERA. Uh, it felt like the ERA might have even been higher than that. But let's say they bring him up. Removing Tyler Chatwood from the equation and his 91 career starts. He was tremendous against the Giants. Two-hit shutout, absolutely phenomenal. But but his 91 career starts, let's take that away, and let's add uh, Hoffman into the mix. You're talking about a, a rotation that has a grand total of 33 starts and a 9-13 and 13 record in total for the other four guys. What challenges does that present for Bud Black and the pitching staff? The law of averages say it's going to catch up with you, right? At some point, uh, there's going to be a book on these guys. They're they're going to, you know, the second, third time through a lineup, they haven't faced a, a batter enough times to be able to challenge them or to know how to vary their pitches. Um, one of the things that I think is, is going to be real key to this and, and the success of these young guys is the homework that Dustin Garneau and Tony Walters are doing. The, because... And, and you and I have discussed this offline uh, several times before, but one of the things that I think was so key uh, to John Gray's development last year was having Nick Hundley as his catcher to help him understand, uh, I just need to throw the pitches that I'm asked to throw. Um, you know, that's one of the things that, that has been a, a blessing and a curse for the Rockies at times is, uh, you know, they're, they're more established veteran pitchers. Jorge De La Rosa is a perfect guy who would shake off nine pitches. And you're, you're wondering, you're scratching your head saying, Jorge, do you have that many pitches in the repertoire at this, at this point? Um, the, the, the real key to me is for the Rockies to be able to survive this stretch without Gray, survive this stretch without Chad Bettis um, into the season, is how studious are Dustin Garneau and Tony Walters going to be? Are they coming in with a game plan that's been developed by their coaching staff and they know how to call the games to get the outs? Because these Rocky, these young Rockies pitchers, they're going to throw what is called. And for the most part, we have seen, with a few exceptions here and there, they're going to execute. That's one of the things that the, that the Rockies organization has done a tremendous job with these young pitchers is doing is don't worry about the results. Execute the pitches as they are called. And if you throw the pitch that we ask you to throw, even if it gets hit, even if you take the loss, we will take the fall for that. And that's that's a philosophy that's being pushed on every single level at this organization. And so really that falls on those two, again, also very young catchers. Uh, Nick Hundley has now moved on. He's with San Francisco, we'll, so we'll see him again this weekend. But the Rockies clearly had enough confidence in the intelligence and the experience of Dustin Garneau and Tony Walters, Tom Murphy as well, when he gets back healthy, uh, to be able to, and that their baseball knowledge is deep enough to be able to manage this young pitching staff. That, to me, is going to be the real key. Uh, with us again is Casey Light of Mile High Sports, milehighsports.com. You can catch everything he's doing there. You can also follow him on Twitter at Light on His Feet. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing I think that gets missed when people talk about the young pitchers. They look at the pitchers, they look at the stats. But the catching is such an important part of the process. When, when, when you were pitching, when you think about it, 
what exactly the folks who maybe aren't necessarily familiar with it, what exactly is the catcher doing to, to help you? And what can a catcher do that can unintentionally hurt you on the mound? Well, I, I think the number one thing that the catcher d- can do is, is be a stabilizing force. And I think about it, um, you know, my my I played, as you mentioned, I played in college. I played one year of Division II college baseball at, at a very strong school. We won our conference tournament. Uh, we were a 35-plus wins team. So a, a strong, competitive school down in a very, very tough conference down in North Carolina. And uh, we had three different pit, three different catchers on our roster, uh, two of which were seniors, one was a junior. Um, so the, the the experience factor was really key for me, especially being a young pitcher. Um, you know, and I can think of one in particular that caught me most frequently uh, that that really was a stabilizing influence, and he understood how to how to speak to me as a pitcher, and and he. You know, he was he was a student of not just the game of baseball, but of pitching. And I think that's really key. And I think that's one of the things that Dustin Garneau does particularly well is he's not just a student of baseball as a whole, but he's a student of his pitchers. And that's really, really key is to understand, be able to see and talk to every single pitcher and know exactly who they are and what they do. The number two thing that's really important is a guy who can earn you some strikes or steal you a couple strikes here and there. The pitch framing you'll yes. hear about on a TV broadcast. Absolutely, 100%. And we saw last year, and, and it was really kind of a shocking thing for everyone, really, but Tony Walters is hands down one of the best pitch framers in all of baseball. And it's shocking because the guy really hadn't caught at that level or at a high professional level at all until last year. Uh, and so, you know, a guy who can steal you a few strikes here and there, a guy who understands, who, um, you know, your mindset and can work with you uh, mentally and, and come out and be that pitching coach because, hey, that catcher can make as many visits to the mound as he needs to. There's a limit on how many times Bud Black can come out and talk to you in a, in a particular game. And so to be that steadying influence, I think, is, is really, really important. And just to have the confidence that you know that this guy has done his homework and that he's going to call the pitches that are going to get you the outs and he's going to be able to read you and say, hey, I know what's working today and together we're going to be a cohesive unit. Um, that's really, really key. And so the more innings that these guys can log together, I think the more they're going to develop that. Keep in mind, the Rockies, again, John Gray with stress fracture in his foot will be out for a month, so it was a terrific opportunity to bring in Casey Light from Mile High Sports to talk about this pitching part because it is. The pitchers, the catchers, they're all relatively inexperienced. This is an interesting line the Rockies will have to walk as they continue to maneuver their way through April. The rest of the month involves Dodgers, Giants, Nationals. It is stacked if the Rockies can find a way to to walk this tightrope until Gray gets back and maybe even grow in the process that you might have a very interesting story developing down at 20th and Blake. He is Casey Light from MyLife Sports, MyLifeSports.com. I, I think I think he's technically my boss when I'm on radio because <laughs> he, he handles all the switches and everything, so it's a, yeah, great to have you in, Casey. Thank, and thank you. you thank you great. very much. Follow him again on Twitter at Light on Your Feet. Make sure you also visit our sponsor, Tap 14 down in Denver, 1920 Blake Street. You can catch them before at Rockies games, after Rockies games. You don't even need a Rockies game. Go on down there. Enjoy the deck. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy everything Colorado. It's all Colorado up at Tap 14, 70 Colorado craft beers, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, uh, food that is locally sourced. Chef Taylor Creedon does a great job there. You can go up and toss a cornhole, hang out, and just watch people on the street. And whether it's rain or shine, you can always be up at the deck at Tap 14. Check them out at tap14.com. For Casey Light, I'm Sean Drotar. This is the Blake Street Irregulars, a 5280 Sports Network production.